Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Let me join those in welcoming you here today as we continue our transformed spiritual growth emphasis here at Celebration Church. Today, I want you to take your Bible or Bible app and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke and the 15th chapter. Luke chapter 15. Today, we're going to be studying one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Now, last week, as we began our transformed series, we learned about the importance of setting good and godly goals for our lives, Uh, setting goals that honor the Lord, setting goals that motivate us to love other people, and setting goals that cause us to depend depend upon God's strength, God's power, God's word, and God's people. Somebody asked me, what is a goal? Napoleon Hill said, a goal is a dream with a deadline. Somebody else asked, why is it important to have goals? Bill Copeland said, the trouble with not having a goal is that you can spend your life running up and down the field and never scoring. Sounds like some of the football teams that I've supported in my life. Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up somewhere else. And a lot of people have ended up in places they didn't want to be in with people they didn't want to be with because they didn't have any real, good, concrete, godly goals for their lives. So it's important to have goals. And, and this weekend, we're beginning to understand some of the crucial goals we're to have for the crucial areas of our life. Our, our, our theme verse for Transformed is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We mentioned it last week, but let me read it to you again. The Apostle Paul wrote, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That verse reminds us that the way we think determines the way we feel, and the way we feel determines the way we act. And so transformation in our lives, in every area of our lives, starts with our thought life. If you want to change something in your life, you don't just start with your actions. You don't even start with your feelings. You, you start with your thoughts. If you're acting depressed, it's because you're feeling depressed. If you're feeling depressed, it's because you're thinking depressing thoughts. The key to transformation Starts not with your actions, not with your behaviors, not with your in your body. It doesn't start even with your will. It starts with your thought life, thinking the right way about the crucial areas of your life. We're learning how to do that in this transformed spiritual growth emphasis. Now, in this emphasis, we're also going to be addressing seven crucial areas in our lives. We're going to be talking about our spiritual health and our mental health, our emotional health and our relational health. We talk, talk, talk about our financial health, our vocational health and health in other areas of our lives moving towards transformation in each of those crucial areas of our lives. Somebody asked, well, what is transformation? How can you know when you experience transformation? Well, transformation is what changes us from emptiness to fullness and what brings us from defeat to victory in our lives. It helps us to become all that God has called us to be so we can live like he's called us to live and do everything he's called us to do. Now, transformation so important. But spiritual transformation is where we begin because spiritual transformation is about getting close to God in our lives, getting really close to God in our lives. Why is it important to have a goal about getting close to God in our lives? It's because the further we get away from God, the more trouble we experience in our lives. But the closer we get to the Lord, the more transformation we experience in our lives. Now, I discovered that most people want to be close to God. They say, I like to be close to God. I like to feel his presence in my life. I like to have his power in my life. But they find themselves far from him. Look at what it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have each turned to our own way. Now, the Bible oftentimes compares human beings to sheep, and that's not very complimentary. 
Sheep have a habit of drifting off and getting lost and losing their way. And that's why they need shepherds in their life. In fact, sheep really aren't that smart. You've heard of trained lions, trained tigers, trained elephants, trained dogs. But have you ever heard of a trained sheep? No, because they're really not that smart. Also, sheep are defenseless. Lions have claws and teeth and deer can run and porcupines have quills and, and skunks. Well, well, you know what skunks can do, but, but sheep are defenseless since they need a shepherd. They, and again, sheep are directionless. They get lost. They wander off. They need a shepherd in their life. And just like a sheep needs a shepherd in their life to protect them, to help them, to provide for them, to guide them in the right way, we need God to be the shepherd of our souls and the shepherd of our lives. So the first step to experiencing transformation, vitality and victory is to get close to the Lord in our lives. So how do we do that? How do we get closer to the Lord? How do we stay close to the Lord? And if you've fallen away from the Lord, how do you get back into a close relationship with him? Well, fortunately, we have a story in the Bible that explains to us how to do that. It's called the prodigal son. It's found in Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 11. You follow along as I read. Jesus told this story. He said a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, give me my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. Now, here was a young man who wanted it all. and He wanted it all right now in his life. So his father divided his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and left home to go to a distant land. He's already getting as far away as he can from his father. He goes to a distant land. Then he squandered the gift he had been given. And we've all done that. He squandered the gifts he had been given and wasted his life and money on wild parties and reckless living. Some of us have done that in our lives. About the time all his money ran out, a severe famine hit the land, and he began to starve because he was left with nothing. The only job he could find was feeding swine on a farm. Now, this was a Jewish boy. Imagine that. He became so desperate and hungry that even the pig slop he was feeding the swine looked good to him, but no one would give him anything for his hunger. When he finally came to his senses, he said, This is crazy. At my father's home, even the lowest paid workers eat well, while I'm far away dying of hunger. He says, so Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to return home to my father and humbly say, Father, I have sinned against God and both you and God, and I'm not worthy to be a part of this family from now on. Just make me one of your hired servants who work for you. That attitude, he headed back home to his father. But while the son was still a long distance away, he hadn't gotten all the way back home. His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I've sinned against both God and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the finest robe in our house and put it on him. Get my signet ring for his finger and shoes for his feet. Then roast the calf we had been fattening. We're going to celebrate with a feast. For this child of mine was distant and dead, but now he's back and he's alive, he was lost, but now he's found, and that's when the party began. Now, that's a great story of the Bible told by Jesus. It's a story about how all of us tend to wander away from our Creator. We wander away from our Heavenly Father. We wander away from God, but it also tells us how we can renew or rejuvenate our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Four things we need to learn today from this story about getting closer to God in our life. Now, I don't know where you are. You may be far, far, far from God. Uh, maybe you're bitter towards God. Or you don't even believe that there is a God. You're far from God. Uh, maybe you believe in God, but you're far from Him because of the choices you've made and because of the lifestyle you've been a part of. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe it's not that you've been that far from God, but you just feel dry and distant and discouraged all the time. You don't sense His presence in your life. Or maybe you've had one of those weeks when you wonder, God, where are you? Where is your presence in my life, wherever you are? This story reminds us of how we can all get close to God in our lives. 
Four things I want you to look at. You begin with, uh, to begin with, getting close to God requires becoming fed up with where we are in our lives. It says in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, this young man wasted all of his money in wild living, and he began to starve. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. In other words, this young man becomes fed up with the life he's experiencing. Let me tell you something. Nothing of significance will happen in our lives until we become dissatisfied with where we are in our lives. We've got to get it fed up with our lives and get fed up with our circumstances and get it fed up with the choices we've been making in life. We've got to get fed up and say, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm tired of being sick and tired all the time. I'm tired of making these mistakes. I'm tired of making the wrong decisions. I'm tired of going the wrong way. We've got to get dissatisfied with the life we're living if we're going to get closer to God in our lives. Now, you may be thinking, well, I'm fine, I'm doing good, everything's going well. Well, you're probably not going to benefit much from this transformed spiritual growth emphasis because you've got to realize that there's more for you in your life. You've got to get fed up with where you are in your life. You've got to get anxious for a change. Nothing happens of significance in our lives until we get fed up with where we are in our lives. That's where transformation starts. So are you there yet? If you're not, that's okay. God knows where you are. He knows how to find you and get you back on track to getting into a close relationship with you. Sometimes he'll allow a little rain to come into your life. If you don't pay attention to that, he'll allow some thunder and lightning to come into your life. If you don't pay attention to that, he'll send a big storm into your life or allow a big storm to come into your life to make you realize you need to get right with God and you need to renew your relationship with him. Let me tell you, when God gets our attention, he starts off, he wants to get our attention, he starts off just lightly tapping at the door of our heart. But if we don't answer the door, he comes back later on, he taps a little harder. If we don't answer, he comes and taps a little harder to get our attention. If that doesn't happen, he knocks down the door in our life till we recognize, hey, I need to get back to God in my life. Now, some of you had the door blown down in your life. You've lost your job. You've lost your health. You've lost your finances. You've lost a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You've lost your spouse. You've lost this or you've lost that. All that, God has allowed those things in your life. You're wondering, why did God allow that to happen to me? He's allowed those things in your life for you to get fed up, for you to get dissatisfied, for you to recognize, I need to get back to God in my life. I need to renew my relationship with God. The Bible says God will often allow adversity in our lives until we become dissatisfied and ready for change, not because He's mad at us, but because He He loves us and he wants what's best for us in our lives. God says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and you'll want it more than anything else. Let me tell you, God's not going to reveal his way, his will for our lives. He's not going to pour out his greatest blessings upon our lives until we get fed up with the way we're living and we want him, his presence, his purposes in our life more than we want anything else in our lives. So getting close to God requires getting fed up about our life. It also requires being willing to own up to our sins. The Bible says when the young man finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and against you. Now, like this young man, we've got to get fed up with our situation And then we've got to be willing to own up to our sins. That's the second thing he did. He owned up to his sins. He said, man, I've really messed up here. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father. I've really messed up here in my life. And the Bible says he did this. He owned up to this. And when he came to his senses, let me tell you something. To live without God doesn't make any sense at all. 
To be uh, live apart from the Creator who created you is not rational, it's illogical, it doesn't make sense. And let me tell you, nothing is going to happen till you realize how much you need God as a part of your life. We have to own up to the fact that we haven't been living by God's will and God's way for our lives before we will experience transformation in our lives. That's what this young man did. Now, we tend to think of our sins sort of lightheartedly. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that, I've messed up, I've fallen. But God has a different perspective regarding our sins. Isaiah said in Isaiah 59 two, your sins have separated you from God and have hidden his face from you. Have you ever prayed and felt like God was a million miles away? Have you ever prayed and wondered if your prayers were getting above the ceiling? Have you ever prayed and felt like there was this big wall, this big barrier between you and God? Well, there probably is. And your, sin, your prayers are probably not getting up to heaven because the Bible says our sins separate us from God, from His presence, from His blessings in our lives. And that's where it comes from. It comes from uh, our choices that we moved away from God in our lives in different ways in our lives. When I first uh, started dating the woman who had become my wife, who's now my wife, Vicki, I had a pickup truck. And so while we were dating, uh, it had a full bed seat there in the front and she would sit right beside me. And I mean, I loved that. I could put my arm around her while I was driving. Uh, I could stop for a traffic light and give her a kiss and all those kinds of things. And when we got our first car, uh, back then the cars didn't come with bucket seats all the time. And so we had a full seat across the front and we were riding close together and she would be under my arm. And, but then we had kids. And so for some reason, after we had kids, we still had that full seat in the front, but she slid over and began to sit in the passenger seat, probably so she could keep an eye on the kids. But one day, reminiscing about uh, the early days of our relationship, she said, you remember how romantic we used to be, how we used to sit so close together when we were driving somewhere? And I looked over at her and said, well, listen, I'm not the one who moved. Let me tell you something. If you don't feel as close to God as you once did, if you don't feel as close to God as you want to feel, He's not the one who's moved. You're the one who's moved. You've moved away from God because other desires, other things, and other people have become more important to you, and the Bible calls that idolatry. Somehow we think idols are things that people bow down to, little stone things people bow down to. No, idols are things, anything and anyone that come before the God in our life. Uh, your clothes can be an idol. Your car can be an idol. Your career can be an idol. Your gaming system can be an idol. Your, your friends can be an idol to you. Your family members can be an idol to you. Your kids' activity can be an idol to you. Uh, all, anything and everything that comes before the God in your life is the God of your life. It's an idol in your life. And the Bible says, and God said in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any false idols. Now those things don't have to be bad things. They're just not deserving of first place in your life. So you have to come to the place where this young man did and own up to those idols, own up to those sins in your life. Let me tell you again, we're as close to God as we choose to be. If you're not close to God today, you can't blame anybody else in your life. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame your siblings. You can't blame your boss. You can't blame your coworkers. You can't blame your husband or your wife or your ex-husband or your ex-wife. You can't blame the government. That's one thing we can't blame the government for. If you're not as close to God as you want to be, as you need to be, you got to own up to the fact it's your choices, your decisions that have caused you to be where you are. We're as close to the Lord as we want to be. And until we acknowledge that and own up to our sins... We're not going to be close to the Lord anymore. By the way, when we own up to our sins, 
God doesn't reject us. He doesn't ridicule us. He doesn't mock us. Uh, he doesn't rub it in. When I come and say, God, you know what I've done? I'm sorry. What does he do? The Bible says he forgives our sins. He blots them out as though they never existed. The Bible talks about a man named David who was as close to God as anybody's ever been. In fact, the Bible describes him as being a man after God's own heart. But David got he got entranced by the things of the world, uh, the temptations of the world. And he wound up really messing up with a woman, Bathsheba, and, and, and so forth. And, and he got far away from God. And, and God, had to, God had to send a storm into his life to get David to realize his need for God in his life. And David prayed this prayer in Psalm 51. He prayed, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. He goes on to say later on, Lord, please restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Let me tell you, when we pray to the Lord with a broken and repentant heart, like David did, the Lord will forgive our sins. He'll begin to free us from our struggles. The Lord says in Isaiah 118, no matter how deep the stain of your sins is, I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. We just got to be willing to own up to our sin. Now, the problem is oftentimes we don't realize until a crisis happens how far we've drifted from God in our lives. Some years ago, I was on a fishing trip in South Louisiana with Captain Jerry, who works on our church staff, and a, a Saints football player named Wayne Martin. Wayne was a, a defensive star back in the day. And we were about to get in the boat, and I was talking to Wayne, probably trying to impress him in some kind of way, and I didn't realize how that the boat had drifted away from the wharf. And so as I was talking to Wayne, I went to step into the boat, but because the boat had drifted away, I fell right into the water. Man, I was humiliated and humbled by that experience. You know, oftentimes we drift away from God and we don't realize that we've drifted away from the Lord, how far we are from the Lord. And we wind up becoming humbled and humiliated. When that happens, uh, it's, a, it's a tragedy. It's a difficult thing. But let me tell you, it doesn't have to happen because you can give yourself a spiritual checkup on a regular basis that will help you to see where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Uh, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13, test yourselves to make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't drift alone, taking every, anything, everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. If you fail the test, do something about it. Now, doctors will tell you you need to do all kind of tests from time to time. You need to, uh, you need to have exams. You need to have a dental exam to make sure your teeth are healthy. You need to have heart exams. Sometimes you need to have your colon checked. Man, that's not a pleasant experience, I can tell you. You got to have all kind of exams. Why? Because if there's something growing in your body that's not good for you, you want to know sooner or later, right? Well, the same is true in life. If sin starts growing in you, it can become a cancer. It's better to Nip it in the bud, like Barney Fife used to say, before it gets really big. You've got to have a, do, and if you get a spiritual checkup, you can nip things in the bud before you get way, uh, way away from God and before you have a spiritual catastrophe in your life. You need to check regularly how you're doing with loving God and loving other people and becoming more like Jesus and serving God by serving others and fulfilling your mission of uh, making disciples and making a difference in the world. You can uh, make a goal right now that once a month or once a quarter, you're going to have a spiritual checkup. You're going to get somebody to do that with you and then you need to focus on that. Now, this, in this transformed emphasis, we're going to have some memory verses. And here's one of our memory verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The old life is gone 
and a new life has begun. What that means is God says, when you come to Him or when you come back to Him, He'll make you like a new person. He'll forgive all your sins. He'll free you from the struggles and strongholds. He'll, he'll blot them out as though they never existed. He'll give you a new start. He'll, he'll give you new power, the Holy Spirit. He'll give you a new ability. He'll give you a new community, your church family. He'll give you a new identity and a new destiny, but it all starts when you're willing to own up to those sins. And then here's the third thing. Getting close to God requires being willing to offer up ourselves to the Lord. The lost son said, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now he left his home saying, give me, give me, give me. Now he turns home saying, make me, make me, make me. He's offering his life back to his heavenly father. Now let me tell you, that's transformation. When we move from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, we're on the pathway to experiencing real transformation in our lives. Our theme verse for transformed is Romans 12 too, but the verse preceding it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And when we offer up our lives to the Lord, our Heavenly Father responds with love and acceptance and forgiveness, just like the father in this story. The Bible says he returned home to his father while he was still a long way off. His father saw him come and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Let me tell you, the good life that people perceive they're living is nothing compared to the best life that our Heavenly Father provides to those who come to Him. The moment we say, God, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I want to come back to you. I want to renew my relationship with you. God will run to meet you. He'll give you the, He'll put the finest of clothes on your back. He'll give you His ring. That's like an unlimited American Express card. He'll, 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 he'll set, throw a party for you. He'll celebrate because let me tell you, God has always wanted the best for us and His way, His will is the best life and you can live the best life for the rest of your life. Now, when I was a little boy, I just discovered this. My parents fed me strained spinach. And I gotta confess to you, I thought it tasted great back then as a little boy. Now I think it tastes like turtle spit or something like that. But as a baby, that's all I knew. So I was satisfied with strained spinach. And then I got a little older and my mama introduced me to Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs. Now we're talking, forget about strained spinach. I got Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs. Then I got to be a teenager and I found out there were hamburgers. And not just hamburgers, cheeseburgers and french fries and Cokes and all those kinds of things. And, but then one day I moved to New Orleans and I found the greatest food in all the world. I found, I found crawfish uh, gratin and boiled crawfish and crawfish pie and crawfish etouffee. And man, I never went back to that strained spinach. Now listen, listen, I could have gone my entire life eating strained spinach and not known there were better, better tasting dishes out there. If you knew there was a better life to live right now, wouldn't you want it for yourself? Say, yeah, that's what I want. Well, that's what transformation is all about. You think you're living the good life and you probably are because if you live in the United States of America, you, you, you've got the good, you're looking good, you're feeling good. But, but let me tell you, the good life is not the best life. And the best life comes when we come back to the Lord, when we surrender our lives to the Lord, when we get fed up with where we are, uh, when, we, when we stand up and repent of our sins, when we offer up our lives to the Lord, that's when we begin to experience a good life. And let me tell you, God will always, always forgive us and restore us 
and renew that relationship with us. In fact, I want you to view this video that reminds us of what God can do, what God will do when we make getting close to Him a priority in our lives. since we talked, I was, you know, I was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> it's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon and to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad. Isn't that a wonderful reminder of what we've learned today from Luke chapter 15? Now, getting close to God requires becoming fed up with the life we're living. 
being willing to own up our, to our sins, being willing to offer up our lives to the Lord. And here's the fourth thing quickly. Getting close to God requires being willing to lift up our praise to the Lord. At the end of our story, the father said, kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And that's when the party began. You see, those verses remind us that life becomes a party when we begin to experience the Lord's transformation in our lives. The psalmist said, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Who first remind us that we need to be constantly praising God for who He is to us, what He's done for us, for how He's responded to us, for how He's forgiven us, for how He's changed us, for how He's blessed us. We need to constantly worship Him and thank Him for who He is to us and all that He's done for us. In our story, this young man left his father home, father's home and said, I want it all. And he found that all he wanted and all he needed was really found in the father's house, which reminds us that all we want, really want deep inside, all we really need, is found when we get close to the Lord in our lives. I remember in my life, I'd gone away from God. I'd been brought up in my life, going to church all my life and learning about God. But I mean, I wanted to explore what was out there in the far country. So I went away to college and I began to explore and experience all there was to explore and experience, thinking I was having a great time and really I was having a miserable time. But then one day I realized my need to come back to God. My need to surrender my life to the Lord. And I remember it was a Saturday morning. I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and forgive me of my sins and begin to transform my life. And guess what? He answered that prayer. He met me there that day. And it was sort of like a giant invisible hand kind of reached out from heaven and took my old self and snatched it away. In this place, I felt the presence of the living God come into my life. When I finished praying, I got off my knees and flushed my drugs down the toilet and poured my alcohol down the drain and threw my pornography magazines away, got rid of both my girlfriends, started living for the Lord. And, and the life I've lived in the years that have followed have been far greater than anything I'd ever experienced or ever even envisioned beforehand. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. He wants us to experience not just the good life, but the best life, better than anything we've ever experienced or ever envisioned and that comes only to those who are willing to take the steps they need to take to get closer to God in their lives. So I want you to bow your head with me right now as I pray for you right now. I wanna pray, Father, when we think of your grace, we're overwhelmed. It makes our heart want to sing and give praise. There's no way we deserve this kind of reaction from you. There's no way we deserve your forgiveness or this kind of celebration. There's no way we deserve this kind of welcoming when we come back to you, we come to you when we say we're fed up, we're fed up with the way we've been living. We're fed up with life without Christ. We're fed up with doing life in our own power. We come and we own up to our sins. God has been our choices and our decisions that have led us astray. We realize you haven't moved, but we've moved. The reason we're not close to you is because we've allowed other things or other people to cloud our vision of you. We've allowed idols into our lives. We've loved other things, other people more than you, and that has made you feel distant. But we come back and we own up to our sin and we offer up our lives to you today. We're asking, like the young man asked, Lord, make us into servants of the living God. Lord, transform us as we draw close to you in these next days of transform. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, or if you need to come back to the Lord, or renew your relationship, Lord. I want you to pray this with me right now. Pray, Jesus Christ, 
right now, I accept your gift of salvation. Or right now, I ask you to, I ask you to forgive me and draw me close to you and restore that relationship with you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for always being willing to forgive me and restore me. Thank you for having great plans and purposes for my life. Make me into one of your servants. I ask you to transform my life spiritually and in every other way in my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want to encourage you to go to webcc.info, find the My Decision tab. Let me know that you've committed your life to Christ. You can do so by checking off on that My Decision tab. I pray with the pastor. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. Or let us know about whatever prayer request you have. But know this, God's plans and purposes for your life are greater than anything you've ever experienced or ever envisioned. But it all starts with you getting closer to the Lord in your life. Lord, help us all to take that, make that a goal and to take the steps we need to take to get closer to you today and in the days ahead. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.